What's up, everyone? I'm Doug Kide. Welcome to Pat's Chat. I'm here with Michael Hurley. This is our take two. You did not get to experience our take one of me messing up. That's why this file is called Dumb Doug. Fortunately, it was only about 13 seconds of content that I messed up. But uh, Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I was better in the first podcast, to be honest. So if, if I have any <laughs> lack of performance, we're going to blame it on you and that. Even though I thought it came out pretty good, but whatever. You know, This is our first fight. This is our first podcast. <laughs> well, I'm taking all responsibility and blame. So it's uh, kind of small of you to, to really just like make me feel even worse about it than I That's already true. do. Doug, um, let's let listeners know that the peas won't be popping tonight. Mike bought a, bought, a, bought a windscreen. I spent six bucks on Amazon, and I can... Yep pop my way everywhere I want. It's incredible. And uh, just for the YouTube viewers, my hair is absolutely insane right now. So uh, just like you can leave comments about it, but I'm acknowledging it. I know it's it's wild I've, right now. I've been watching the Elvis movie. It's two hours mm. and 40 minutes, so I'm watching it in pieces. <laughs> um, you got a little Elvis in you there. There's a lot of pizzazz in that. In that yeah, there's loft. a lot going on right now. I, uh, but we watched some football today. We'll, we'll get into the Patriots in a no, little no, bit. No, no, no. We got more hair stuff. I got this. Yeah. It like won't go down. You you've got great hair. What what do I do about this? Like it it, it just kind of flops in the air. What do we do? Well, I mean, you're talking to someone whose hair All right. on this side is like flipping up. I, I so just, just grow use it as out. much product as possible. Grow it mm. out. Okay. Um, just try to flatten it out. I'm worried the Instagram ads. They're like, oh, if you use this, your hair will like get really bad. And I'm like, well, but like I want it to look good. So I don't <laughs> well, don't well, don't use that. <laughs> use the stuff that make your hair look good. All right. Um, I. I, I think I'm cranky, Doug. I'm cranky. It. Yeah, that the end of the Bengals Chiefs game left a lot to be desired, and Holy that's even before we get into the, the 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 officiating mess. It's just like I wanted that game to go into overtime. I I think we've talked about this before. I want every single game to last as long as humanly possible, mm. and that game had a chance to go into overtime, but then Joseph Asai uh, pushed Patrick Mahomes. A, a fraction like of a four second or five too yards, late. Four or five yards out of bounds, maybe. <laughs> I think that's what stinks about the most is that you can't even blame the officials for it. No, it was it was a it was it was a penalty. Call it. So the reason I'm grumpy is, and, and I don't even needed to. I didn't need it to go to overtime, but I needed the game to see its rightful end. Yes. Uh, and you can't hit the guy five yards out of. You can hit anyone no. five yards out of bounds, let alone Patrick Mahomes on a bell ankle. It just. It just feels unsatisfying, especially after the NFC Championship game being such a waste of time earlier in the day. We finally yes. got it. Yeah. And whatever happened, happened. I was ready to see the Barrow Mahomes matchup. And so we saw, I mean, I've, I feel a little bad for my guess. He was sitting on the bench crying for about an hour after the game. But I feel a little cheated uh, as a football fan today. It was it was a little bit unsatisfying. Well, yeah, because you you want to feel bad for him, but you're also like, well, yeah, well, no. Well, I, he did the thing. He he did the thing that caused the game to end. And like, it is wholly unsatisfying. And like, I, I clearly, if you're a Chiefs fan, it's been all season. Like, you feel like you've earned this, this win, this game, everything like that, based on everything that you've done up to this point. But like, they didn't. It wasn't like fully a Chiefs win. It was also like a Joseph Osai mistake yeah. that caused a Chiefs yeah. win. And like a, a a late hit leading to a field goal. Yeah. It really is a very unsatisfying way to end a game. That was as good I, as it was before that. Ideally, like the Bengals would have been up three, and then that guy would have committed the penalty, which led to the game tying field goal, and then we would have got overtime. I don't know. It just felt right. we we needed a little more football today. The 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 49ers went with the no quarterback, no forward pass offense, uh, which <laughs> didn't work. Uh I, I always wondered like, would no forward passes work in a championship game scenario? No. Um, but I don't know. I ultimately, I don't know. We are the Pat's chat podcast. I guess we frame things from an AFC competitive standpoint. Well, I, I, watched I've, two... I have a comment oh, about that, but before well, you, you move on, uh, let me finish yeah, and just sorry. say, yeah, yeah, we watched two AFC teams tonight and I know the Patriots almost beat the Bengals, but that was mostly because it was Christmas Eve and the Bengals checked out at halftime. <laughs> we watched two teams that quarterback talent wise and wide receiver mm-hmm. talent or I mean, tight end on the chiefs. But even even wide receiver wise, the, the the disparity was notable, and you saw the two best teams and what it takes. And I kind of come away with this, Doug. The Patriots are far away, but it's mm-hmm. not like another planet, you know. Like it's doable. Like teams, everyone right. in the AFC probably feels like the Chiefs aren't head and shoulders above everyone right now, and 
it takes some work, but you can get there if you do the right things. Yeah, and those teams will be weakened by like injuries and age and salary cap and everything like that. It's not like the Chiefs have drafted incredibly well over the last four or five years. Obviously, they've made some good picks, but like, yeah, the fact that they're like, because even the Bills are up there with these other teams. I know they didn't really show it against the Bengals, but they've got the talent to stack up as well. So, yeah, it's not like there's one team that's so much better than everyone else. Maybe the way Mahomes, that was with the Patriots for years. Mahomes also might play in like in a couple weeks and like until his leg falls off and then he doesn't have one. Like it's just right. a concern at this point. So hopefully they can fix that because it's concerning. I, I did have one thought on that 49ers game where they're like clearly they weren't going to win that game when they were down by two or three scores. Mm-hmm. But like, and obviously this is one of those situations where I was talking about before, like Bill Belichick knows a hundred times more about football than I ever will. Kyle Shanahan Problem, like maybe the best offensive mind in football right now knows a hundred times more. Don't say a hundred or anyone else. No, don't say a hundred. If Bill's a hundred, okay, Kyle's like, lower, like fifty to seventy-five. Fair, okay. but like Thank as you. I'm watching Brock Purdy being unable to throw the ball, like they could not throw the ball. They were running yes. the ball on on every down, reverses, uh, misdirections, counters, like, everything you, you got. There's no point in continuing to do that. Like, if he can only throw a screen or if he can only throw five to ten yards, then, like, put Christian McCaffrey back there. Put Debo Samuel back there. Put Kyle Juszczyk back there. Like, do something Get the useless guy off the field. Right. Get the guy who's not overly fast and can't throw the ball off the field. And granted, I'm not sure if you saw the pass that Christian McCaffrey attempted, but there wasn't a receiver within, say, 20 yards of of the target. Did they so call like, grounding? They didn't call grounding on that. <laughs> they though. didn't. No. Like that the grounding call on Joe Burrow. I, I I know that all of Twitter thought that was a good call. P Ryan was like kind of close to that play. I feel like I I saw the replay and I just listened to Romo saying all the receivers went vertical and didn't really question it. So I don't know when. Just and McCaffrey deserved a grounding call. I thought it would have been funny. He at did. least <laughs> if but, if Brady got one in the Super Bowl, uh, right. McCaffrey maybe it was a sympathy non-call. Maybe he was out of the tackle. I don't know, but uh, he was certainly not. He was like literally where the ball was snapped. So. <laughs> I but I just couldn't believe that that was the game plan there. I think that like to some degree yeah. you're so you're so close to the action, like you're so inside. Like maybe you just don't question like logic. Maybe you don't like. That's just the most logical thing that you can do is put a quarterback behind center and see what happens. But clearly they were not going to mount a comeback with that plan of attack of Brock Purdy being unable to run or throw or do anything in that situation. Other uh, counterpoint, Brock Purdy four for four tonight. What a game. (laughs) Perfect game. We finally saw it. No. um, Yeah, I agree. At a certain, like if, if if the man is only in there to hand off, you're hurting your offense. It's just common basic sense. Maybe it was maybe it doesn't matter at that point. Um, but I don't know. I think I think the the 49ers situation is interesting only because I don't know what happened to Brock Purdy's arm, but given look at Patrick Mahomes, and I think Patrick Mahomes is doing it to the detriment of his own self. You gotta try to throw, don't you? You gotta try to play the game to stand there with your jacket on while Josh Johnson plays. It's like, I don't know. You never know what's going on. But if it's that bad, I don't think you should be standing there and going in to hand the ball off. I don't. It's it seemed right. really odd in that situation when you're a rookie with a chance to go to the Super Bowl well, to I, not I try. Can you try? Said it, but it was like there might have been like nerve issues with his hand, where like. Can't grip Peyton, the ball. Peyton well Manning won a Super Bowl function. with that. Peyton Manning won a whole Super fair. Bowl. He didn't feel his hand all year. And granted, he's one of the best passers of all time, so it's a bad comparison. But I don't know. I, I don't know. It was. I don't know. Maybe was... it's just me being a cranky little bee because mm. I wanted better football. Today. <laughs> I don't know. I know. What uh, What did you think of the officiating situation? Okay, uh, with the Chiefs and Bengals, because I think we've talked about this before. Like, I'm not a conspiracy guy when it comes yeah. to the NFL. Like, I don't. I, I've not throughout my life generally thought, okay, the officials want this one specific thing mm-hmm. to happen and they're going to call the game that way. And maybe that's me being blinded by being in New England and the fact that the Patriots made the Super Bowl as many times as they did. And like maybe those calls were going in New England's favor. I didn't even realize it. But like I do feel like this was the first game where I was like, I don't know. It kind of feels like, like 
so many calls are going the Chiefs way that like, do they just want Patrick Mahomes to be in the Super Bowl? And, and do I genuinely think that probably not, but this game led me to at least like, like look down that pathway. I would put it like this because I don't think the NFL would have any problem with Joe Burrow and the Bengals being in the Super Bowl. I think it's better with, with Mahomes. Yeah. Um, but I look at the calls. Every hold was a hold. Uh, false start was a false start. It wasn't like the Eagles where Lane Johnson false started every single passing play and they never called it. I would say in my entire life, I've never seen a whole ass play happen. And it's not, remember early, there was a play where clearly I heard the whistles. I had the volume on low. My kids were around. Like Yes. I, was I heard three blocking. whistles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Tony and Jim didn't hear it with the headphones on somehow whatever i don't know I, I haven't called a game in an nfl stadium so i can't speak to that but i knew like we knew you and i knew yes. everyone knew that there was a false start that had blown that play dead when it was later in the game didn't hear a thing didn't notice yeah. a thing a full ass play happened no officials stopped it at all fourth down came the offense came off the field the punt team won on the field and then all of a sudden it's like wait wait what did ron torbert just say so that that moment, I'm not a conspiracy, contrary to popular belief in my own statements. I'm not actually a conspiracy guy. I think incompetence is always the explanation, not conspiracy. And right. I don't think that was conspiracy, but you almost you can't do that at that point. When no, no one knew the play was blown dead and the whole play happened and like the back judge 30 yards downfield is blowing the whistle and like, half-assed running in waving but then kind of be like all right never mind you can't well, that, run another third down because nobody knew that happened that's the thing is that i it's it's incompetence it's incompetence to like multiple different layers here because first of all that play where we heard the three whistles and a whole play happened and like the you know the commentator like nance and romo didn't know that the whistles were broken but like one of the officials has to be like, this play is dead. Like, stop playing football. But this play when is that dead. Happens, like, the side judge comes in, and he's right. on the field, but it's loud. It's that didn't happen stadium. on that one. Sorry, but then it also didn't happen on... Stadium at GEHA <laughs> Field at Arrowhead Stadium. I apologize to GEHA, whatever they are. My bad. But, like, the, the side judge also needed to do that on that third down play that got redone. But the guy, you saw it. He was, like, yeah, behind the safeties... He took like five yards. He was like, wait, wait, wait. And he was like, oh, they're, they're doing, all right. You know what? It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's like, too, too far gone. We're too <laughs> far gone at this point. He should have go kept back. going at least because I had no idea. I mean, as I said no. to you, Bragg, I had a friend over watching the yeah. game with me. A little Huge buddy deal. situation, Buffalo chicken dip. It's not a big deal. Wow. But I mean, so maybe I was talking and like missed it, but I no. didn't hear it. I didn't notice a thing until the whole explanation happened. And I was still confused. Yeah, well, I mean, also, you need to explain it before the punt team comes on. You have to explain it to people, like, <laughs> yes. before everything that goes on after that play occurs. Because, like, it, yeah, like you said, like, you just you can't allow all of that to happen on that one play. And I don't know. I mean, that one was really strange. I felt like the Mike Hilton defensive pass interference didn't need to be called. Uh, which one was that? That was the um, the little hook on the on the hip. Yeah. I agree with you. But when you hook a hip and the guy's hips turn, you see it called off. And I, in this game, I wouldn't have called it. I I, I, I understand when, it. When Gene Steratore comes in and he's like, "That's true." Yeah, typically when you put your hand around his hip and you don't see movement, you don't call. It. Like so, it's so infrequent that the mm. the officiating expert will like go against the call That's in the true. field. Yeah. That when it happens, it's like, ah, oh, that was probably a pretty bad call, right. actually. Yeah, the hip spin was also kind of late in relation yeah. to the ball getting there. So I agree. And then really, like, to like Eli Apple held on the play following the redo. But, yes. like, Torbert comes out and is almost laughing about it. I and, know. like, smirking, like, you're not going to believe this, guys. Right. But get this. Holding on the defense. Automatic first down. It was kind of like, really? And that's after the Eagles got seven automatic first downs in the early game, which yeah. might've been a record or the first in a very, very long time. So I don't know. It was a little too refy today. Obviously the Eagles would yeah. have won without any refs on the field at all. Though it was good. <laughs> it was good to get a reminder that um, if you're like six, seven, like three twenty, and you grab someone and just 
body slam them to another dimension. <laughs> you you can't do that. So Trent Williams learned that. We all learned that. But that was I don't know. There was nothing that was going to change the first game. Uh, the I, I do have a question officiating-wise on the first game. Well, first of all, I know that you can't make comments about um, about the, the broadcasting of the second game. I have some thoughts. Sure, I'll, I can. I'll, I'll keep them to myself, though. I, yeah, I, I think just, they should promote me to the, the A booth. If that's I what agree. I as agree an, with as that a, as, well. as an employee of CBS, yes. Um, in the first game, the punt that seemingly hit the wire that yeah. that Fox just was like, oh, we have this like one weird angle that doesn't show anything and we're only going to show it once and we're not going to zoom in on anything whatsoever and like we're barely going to talk about this. Like clearly, I, I mean, to me, that feels like they don't want to show this because it's their own equipment that caused a play yeah. to malfunction. But I like, I don't know that the decisions seem to be made very quickly for the rest to be like, we cannot tell if the ball hit the wire. It's like, well, right. did you really take enough time to check that out? Or maybe you could check out the angle that might show it. There's probably more than one angle that could show this. And like, clearly it had no, like it made no difference on the game or anything like that. But like, I do feel like if a ball hits well, a it's wire, important. it it's needs important. to be acknowledged because like that and could have that a more important part. Yeah, we saw that in Foxborough on the Monday night Bears game uh, when the Patriots <laughs> lost to the Bears, the only team to lose to the Bears after uh, the middle of October. But uh, remember there was the was – was, was it Zappy or Mac? This was so long I, ago. I remember it well because I, I was, was – like, It was a pick. It was Mac's pick. It was, I was one of the first people to tweet it out, and it picked oh, up a lot of traction. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really say one way or the other what I felt, what I believed. I was like, hey, a Bills fan pointed out that this yeah. looks like it hit the wire. And then the next um, day, ESPN was like, we can confirm this ball did right. not hit the wire. Yeah. We are showing you a video where it looks like the ball hit the damn wire. But we know, <laughs> here's the video, but we know it didn't hit it. So, no, right. I think that's important, not for the game, obviously, but for the larger scope um, yeah. of like balls cameras can't be being wires. on the damn field. Right. That, And, yeah, probably I would guess Fox wouldn't want to show that if it happened. But we should probably work on that, I would say. I would I just yeah, as a league, you want to fix I also, that. There's got to be more transparency because like that was a huge deal when it happened. There was some delay to the game. Like Eagles players and coaches were really pissed. They about all it. like immediately and that <laughs> yes. many people, that many people can't immediately have the same reaction. Now, maybe they all saw an optical illusion, but I doubt it. But right. I don't know. My, my bigger issue with if we're doing broadcast, uh, Greg oh, one, Olson one quick, in the first game. Quick, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. One more quick thing on the before we lose the track of the wire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Patriots won on the Monday night game. First, I like to me, I'm like, maybe like I, I kind of trust, I believe ESPN. Like if they're saying I, I don't that well, it didn't happen, I'm just kind of like, whatever. The funny thing to me about that was that they were like, no. The wire was 25 feet above the ball. Yeah. It's like, that's not that far. That's not <laughs> that much higher. Like, that doesn't seem impossible then to hit the wire if it's only 25. Because people, like, I think, like, I was listening to the radio a lot the next day. Like, Zolak and Bertrand, they were like, oh, that thing is like 100 feet above the playing field or something like that. Like, everyone was, like, discounting the possibility of it by being like, it is so far above the field of play that it would be impossible. And then for ESPN to be like, it was 25 feet above. It was like, okay, yeah. then that seems very plausible that it could, that it could happen in a game. That's like, like that my bedroom window. I could smash my bedroom. Show. Yeah, I could I could spiral my bedroom window, no problem. Right. Um, my issue with that, uh, the first drive, the fourth down conversion to Devontae Smith, uh, was Greg Olson just being like, oh, he's clearly in bounds. No big deal. And it's like, Greg, everyone talks about how great you are and how you're getting screwed by Brady and how you're like this great voice. And it's like, Greg, no one is concerned about it being in bounds. The man <laughs> who... who quote unquote caught the ball literally ran to his teammates and was like snap the ball i didn't catch it we need to snap the ball quick and he's like well, i don't know he's in bounds and it was just like i i wanted to rip my eyeballs out and throw them at that point to not realize hold on joseph aside on uh, on tv he's crying uh he's very upset feel bad for the him. camera on espn is like foggy mm. whatever's going on i can't hear him but i'm sure it's it's very interesting but yeah I um yeah, you know what? Maybe the, maybe the Chiefs felt maybe cosmically they deserved that late hit out of bounds because of the D Ford offsides call four years five year four years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, the football gods giveth and taketh away. So I'll say that on, on our, on, on us getting screwed. I will say, uh, as personally, I would only go to the Super Bowl if the Patriots went, uh, typically. So that was a good run. I don't mm-hmm. think I'll be back anytime soon, but, right. um, my wife, not a fan of when I would go to the Super Bowl, had very small kids at the time. Very difficult for her when I would disappear for a week to go off to the Super Bowl. And when Brady threw the pick off Gronkowski's hands, I said, all right, well, I'm not going anywhere. Like, you got me. You don't have to worry about that. And there was a flag in the play. It's probably going to be illegal formation or, or what illegal motion. Like, it's no big yeah. deal. <laughs> and then the ref. Who was the ref? Was it Cleet? I think it was Cleet that night. Yeah. It was just like offsides on the defense. I just looked at it. I was like, I'm so sorry. They're probably going to win now. <laughs> and they did. So, anyways, that was uh, like story time. But the Chiefs, whatever. I mean, it was an obvious call. It was the same as D Ford being offside. So, right. they're going to the Super Bowl now. They they missed out then. It works out. But selfishly, I would have preferred a little bit more football. Yeah, I would have liked more football. And I so to your to your point earlier on like how far are the Patriots away after watching this game. Mm-hmm. I had I had a I had a Mac Jones take while watching Joe Burrow in this game because um I famously I'm probably the only person in the world who who remembers saying this but I during the 2021 NFL draft I said that Mac Jones could be like a, a poor man's Joe Burrow and that Davis Mills was a poor man's Mac Jones who's a poor man's mm. Joe Burrow wow and I feel like I might need to kind of go back on that statement because Joe Burrow Joe Burrow didn't run a 40 didn't like work out before the draft or anything like that Joe Burrow is sneaky fast and sneaky quick. Like on mm-hmm. some of the plays that he, he was like running up the middle of the field, it was like, wow, he had he's a 14 like, yard run. That was awesome. He's that athletic. Was inspiring. And he doesn't do that a whole lot, obviously. You're like, you don't think of Joe Burrow for his athleticism or anything like that. But like, and a lot of that I think also is stature in that he's not a six foot four, 240 pound quarterback or anything like that. But like his mobility is probably closer to like a Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott or Josh Allen, then Mac Jones mobility is to Joe Burrow. And wow. I think that that probably That's would much math. hold Mac Jones back more just because it's like another physical tool that he doesn't have compared to those other quarterbacks. And I think that you also just need a lot more help for him because like from the receiver standpoint, the Bengals having Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd is just absolutely absurd. And I think that they should do everything in their power to keep those guys in place, um, even if it means overpaying T. Higgins, because just like that's such a massive strength to, to their team. And I think that, I don't know, I guess there could be a case made between Jacoby Myers and Tyler Boyd, but like probably any three of those wide receivers would be the best pass catcher on the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, someone texted me. Uh, I can't even give credit because – not to brag, I was I was shuttling off a lot of texts, so I'm not sure. But it's almost <laughs> like would would Mac Jones ever make that throw the 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 T Higgins 27 yard touchdown, mm. which was a dime. And I was like, honestly, maybe because accuracy is his is his plus plus talent. Like right. a, a 30 yard on the on the money throw in a clean pocket is within his ability. But I looked at it more from a Patriots perspective. Now you don't have Pat Mahomes, and that's a big mm-hmm. deficit. It's tough when yeah. you don't have one of the best quarterbacks. I, a lot of people have been saying one of the best quarterbacks ever for a long time. I think realistically we're getting there now. Yeah, three Super Bowl appearances and five straight conference championships. But anyway, mm-hmm. but just the receiving core, Kelsey aside, because Kelsey's a special player. Now, granted, no one has ever covered Travis Kelsey. If a defense decides to do that, <laughs> we could really talk about defending the Chiefs, but. With Valdez Scantling as like the number one guy, it's yeah. not an overwhelming no receiving core. I mean, Sky no. Moore is in there, and I mean maybe he's better than Taekwon Thorne. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but my Michael Hardman, yeah. like th- there was, it's not Juju, like you, right? Yeah, like when Tyreek Hill was there, you could say, all right, it's special, special talent. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'm arguing against myself where it's the quarterback more than anything, uh, but. If yeah. you want to build a full roster, I think it's it's you can get close to that level. I mean the 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 Bengals probably have the better one, and they're not going to the Super Bowl. So right, it's I. If you have Patrick Mahomes, you're in business. I guess is what I'm saying, and uh, so every team should just quit for the next five years. I I agree. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably already one of the best 
probably 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, like in NFL history, ever something like that. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. Like, I like mean, just, just like pure yeah. skill. Like he's 27. Right. And he's, he's probably going to get like, he's probably going to get maybe a little bit better. Like once his mobility tails off, like maybe he doesn't have the 22 year career well, like Brady does, but like, what did he Rogers, do tonight with no mobility? Like, right. He's still, yeah. I, but, but I like, I, it's, it's hard. Twitter makes it really hard to like Patrick Mahomes because I feel like everyone on Twitter is constantly tripping over themselves to praise Patrick Mahomes as if there are people out there who don't think that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is like the, the best quarterback in the NFL. It's like, they're constantly being like, like, and yeah, like I think those stats are like worth saying and worth pointing out and like throws are worth pointing out and everything like that. But like, maybe it's also just me being a, like a jerk and a jackass because like, these are a lot of my friends who are saying these positive things about Patrick Mahomes, but it's also just like, all right, enough already. Like I almost tweeted yesterday, like Twitter, Twitter must continue to exist because what would we do if people weren't constantly pointing out how good Patrick Mahomes is? Like, how, like how would we ever know? How if would Twitter we know? Exist? How would we know that Patrick yeah. Mahomes is a good quarterback? And like, I think it's just, it, it becomes overkill. And you also see that people love Patrick Mahomes so much and want to praise him so much that it, like they start kind of trashing Joe Burrow. It's like, well, Joe Burrow is also really good. Like, you don't need to be like, what would Joe Burrow do without T. Higgins and Jamar Chase? It's like, I don't know, he'd probably still be a really good quarterback. Like, but he, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but that's okay. Like, not everyone is Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't look at Mahomes as like head and shoulders better than Burrow tonight. I know Burrow threw a bad pick and another one that should have been a bad pick. So maybe I'm wrong about that. But Burrow played his ass off, I think. I think Patrick Mahomes also threw the ball backwards for no reason. He also just, yeah, completely lost the ball <laughs> out of his hands. So if we're doing that. Um, no, I don't know. Um, it's it, You can't say, like, I don't, I'm still stuck in it. I'm still stuck in the fact that a man decided to hit Patrick Mahomes literally, like, on the bench and cost us the rightful ending of that game. And yeah, I don't know. Like I said, like the, the penalties were what? Uh, nine to four. I want to say uh, the Bengals got nine penalties and Chiefs got four nailed it. Um, but I, I don't take issue. You mentioned the grounding. Uh, I guess I'd have to see it again, but it, there was no moment where I was like, that was a horrible call. Right. People um, were pointing out on the punt. Return I didn't see that at all. Punt return. There was a little a bit of a block in the back. Yeah. yeah usually is. But it's just like, uh, I don't know, call. calling Not that. really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, just feel a little bit empty. Like, when the Super Bowl ended last year, when the Rams beat the Bengals, I felt like the officials ruined that game because mm-hmm. there was calls in that game, missed calls, that ruined. That it just felt like totally cheated out of a Super Bowl. This, I don't feel like that. The, the officials didn't do it. Just the in man the Super hitting Bowl, the quarterback. I, I, I don't remember. In the Super Bowl, was, was, did they have to do a play over? I, I can't remember that off the top of my head. Oh, like they played a play. Yeah. It ended. The next yep. play started, and they're yeah. like, hold on, everyone. <laughs> We're just going to do that again. No, yeah, I don't did think that happened. I, I don't think so. Um, yeah. it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't remember that happening either. <laughs> um, yeah, that was ridiculous, and it'll, it'll fuel some things. But ultimately, I think. Uh, uh, just it's just a bummer. Like sad. I said off the top. Like, We're just sad guys. We're just two sad guys yeah. that wanted to see more football. And I think everyone, we have one football game left. We deserved overtime. I think we're good people. In two weeks. It's going to be in two weeks. We got it's a two-week break before that last football game. Get to watch some uh, some Pro Bowl stuff. I feel like we're almost at the point where Mac Jones is going to be a Pro Bowler. Yes. Well, I think two is I out. Two is out. Herbert's out. And I think that... Like, <laughs> no, Tyler, I don't think that could be a pro bowl. Tyler Huntley is somehow the fourth alternate in the AFC. Like, how the like hell? Five games. Yeah, like I'm not. I don't want to be the guy who's like, like pushing Mac Jones to the Pro Bowl, but like he started Mac four Jones games. Probably deserves it more than Tyler. Yeah, two Huntley, touchdowns right? and three picks. Um, because like I don't know. Obviously, now Mahomes can't be in the Pro Bowl. I'm assuming that Burrow was a Pro Bowl, or like he I'm might just be like, F that. Go. I don't want to do that at this point. So, yeah. 
we might be entering man like tyler huntley was banged up at the end of the year we could be <laughs> we could we could get That's to the true. point it's shoulder mac tendonitis. jones maybe even josh johnson can we get josh johnson in the pro bowl uh, we we could we, if you want to unfortunately he's in concussion protocol probably let's see so. mahomes led the league in passing herbert burrow uh, josh allen can go no Trevor well Lawrence yeah he's there Lawrence. Lawrence. and then i think there's what about russell third, wilson though. he had a great season <laughs> Derek Carr, he doesn't have a team i don't know i don't know it's whatever. i'd say they both deserve it over tyler tyler huntley uh the I'm patriots about the, um, the, the pro bowl games like as a were you hearing Robert Edwards blew out his knee in the uh, beach? I was. Game? I was. That yeah. was pretty devastating. Big deal. Yeah. So I'm yeah. nervous. There's a lot of Pro Bowl games that require some athleticism. I'm worried about it. I'm hoping that they don't decide to play them on sand because that was probably a that was a pretty dumb decision by the NFL in retrospect. You think to to do a what? Well, it was flag football that he got hurt was, on. I think so. Yeah, leapt up for the ball, came down awkwardly on his knee. Yeah, that was bad. He had a very promising rookie season. Yeah, um, career ruiner. He would have been a he would have been a solid addition to those early two thousands Patriots teams. He made the transition away from Curtis Martin more palatable. So his rookie year. This is the yeah. new segment of the show called Robert Edwards Stats. Yeah. And uh, rookie year ninety eight, he uh, started fifteen games, played in all sixteen, ran two hundred ninety one times for one thousand one hundred fifteen yards with nine touchdowns. Also caught thirty five passes. Ooh. For 331 yards and three touchdowns, um, and then missed the 1999 season, and then missed the 2000 season, and then missed the 2001 season. Came back with the Dolphins. Dolphins. Uh, he got um, 20 carries and caught 18 passes that year, and that was it. This just just a sad thing. That sucks. Yeah, I was I was a big Curtis Martin guy back in the day yeah. too. Who wasn't? Um, so that was a bummer when he left, and then. Yeah, that was a huge bummer. I can't, like I wonder if in like today's medical technology, like does Robert Edwards miss three seasons with that injury, or does he come back a little bit sooner? I don't know. I I actually don't know the specifics of injury. I, I say that about like Bobby Orr, but that right. was like the early seventies. Yeah, I want to say the late nineties was better. I'm um, not better. a doctor, but. Definitely like the ACL we've seen when Wes Welker got hurt in 09. Everyone thought he was done for the next season. He came back in September right. and kind of granted he wasn't 100%, no. but that did kind of change the the mold, I think, the with math. the recovery from ACL. Yeah, it's yeah. instead of 12 months, it was maybe nine months. So, right. um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to talk to Robert Edwards' doctor. But anyways, enjoy the Pro Bowl games, everybody. I won't be watching because I'm too nervous about it. I might not be watching just because, like, I feel like my family's going to want me to be doing something with them on it's a also boring. Saturday or Sunday afternoon, whatever it is. Um, the Patriots are in Las Vegas right now at the Shrine Bowl. Neither one of us are there. It seems like not a lot of Patriots reporters are there either. I'm kind of surprised by that. felt like more people mm. would uh, be sent to Vegas for that. Maybe they just want to be going to Vegas for the third time this year. But um, uh, Joe Judge is on staff. With the Patriots, Matt Patricia is not. Nick Cayley also is not. Not totally sure what to read into all of this, but it seems like at this point, based on a lot of reports out there, not a guarantee that Matt Patricia is going to return to staff. And the fact that Joe Judge is there seems to be pretty solid evidence that he will be on staff. We did a lot of Joe Judge talking on the episode mm. last week. So probably not worth going super deep into Joe Judge, but I'm still of the same opinion that like I think he can work on special teams and it won't be that awkward of a situation because he won't be dealing with that many players that he coached last season at the quarterback position, wide receiver, tight end. Like it's mostly defensive players who are on special teams. Mm. He could also walk in the meeting and be like, You guys sucked last year. Let's fix it. And they'd right. have to be like, you know what? He's you're, right. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. Um, the Kaylee thing, I guess. Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, so he's going to build his staff. I think I've gotten the impression that Bill O'Brien will be allowed to hire his staff, and right. maybe Nick Kaylee's a part of that. Maybe he's not, but the fact that he's not there seems like probably leaning toward not. I don't know mm -hmm. what that means for his personal future but 
I don't know. It's just more something to watch. I don't think Nick Haley next year is going to all, all of a sudden be the best coach in the NFL, but there's going to be opportunities for him, I, I'm sure. But right. it doesn't seem like it's going to be in New England. And with Judge, I'm hung up on the free coach aspect of the thing. I just I can't get over it because you try to sell the pill that Patricia and Judge running the offense was the best thing for the team. And then a year later, when Patricia's not free anymore, it's not even a good thing to have him around. Right. I, I, I just, I, I can't get over that because this is a, one of the highest valued franchises in sports in the world. It's worth, I don't know, five point something billion dollars. And if penny pinching is a priority for building a coaching staff, it's no wonder they are where they are. So if that's why Joe judges are on because he's free and they'll figure out a role for him. Well, they did that last year and it was an atrocity. So I'm not sure that this year will be any better. So if that's fair or unfair, I don't know, but it's, it's hard to fathom a business worth that much money keeping someone around because they're free. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it just doesn't really make logical sense. <laughs> like, yeah, if you, if, if you're worth as much as the Patriots are, then like you really shouldn't have to worry about what a coach costs and like i don't know I, I i hate when people say that the patriots are cheap as when it relates to like contracts players. and yeah. players and everything like that because it's like you can't be cheap like it just doesn't make any sense like there's a salary cap they spend up to the salary cap every year and like maybe their cash spending in some years is down but like at the same time they're never more than five million dollars under the salary cap so they're paying these guys at some point but I do think that there are ways to be, you know, a little bit cheaper in other facets of the organization. And it doesn't like, I don't know who's doing it because like, I don't think it's Robert Kraft deciding to like keep right. Joe Judge on staff because he's cheap. Like, I right. think that that's more of a Bill Belichick decision. And for Belichick, like, well, what does he care? Why does he care? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, unless he, unless Robert Kraft is like given him a set amount of money that he can spend on coaches or something like that, which I have no idea. I've never heard that. Like I'm completely making that well, up. Well, if that was the case, Patricia Lombardi, Hardegree and Brasillo leave. That's a whole lot of money heading out West. So there right. should have been money to replace them. So you're right. Well, I don't know. Is it though? I mean, I guess Well, McDaniels was McDaniels certainly was. You're right. And then that's you're three right. lower level. You could have hired three level, lower level right. assistants to replace them. Yeah. But I, I did look it up. There's 6.4 billion. Uh, net worth, uh, which yeah. is second in the NFL, one uh, one tenth of a billion behind the Cowboys. So mm. it's a bit much for the the free coach aspect. If if Bill O'Brien does have the freedom to build his own staff, and it seems like they'll be getting a legitimate offensive line coach in Foxborough, it's not going to be like Vinny Sinceri moving from running backs or like. Ross Douglas moving from wide receivers. Um, and who are the candidates? It's uh, uh, Ryan Wendell is one of the candidates. Adrian yes. Clam. Clam. Um, and then uh, Mike Reese threw out a couple other names, I think. Like Maneri, the guy who was coaching under Bill O'Brien in Houston, was one of them. And I think Tony Sperano Jr. was another oh. one that Mike Reese threw out there. All right. Um, so it seems like one of those guys will be coming on staff. But it does make me wonder, like, what does happen to Troy Brown? What does happen to Vinny Sanceri? What does happen to Ross Douglas? Like the other lower level assistants who were on staff last year, do they just have to take on like assistant positional roles on staff? Like will the Patriots also be getting a legitimate running backs coach or a legitimate, like a, a Keenan McCardle or a Sean Jefferson as wide receivers coach? I, I'm just curious to see how all of this shakes out. Me too. <laughs> well good said talk. no i i don't good, i don't i don't want to no, just repeat no. it uh it's it's a it's a question and but it's at the same time there's well it seems I, like I all we're talking about is an offensive line coach so it doesn't seem like there's yeah. going to be massive moves to be filling in those other positions yeah i just think you got to balance like o'brien staff first like like troy brown to me is fabric of the patriots right so you're a big like, troy brown guy how could you not be? I mean, he is sort of the embodiment of everything the Patriots became. I, I think a guy that what was he a, an eighth round draft pick? I want to say, pick, yeah, 
maybe got cut, came back, made the team, scrapped to do whatever, played offense, defense, special teams, did everything right, always knew what to do. So to have that guy still involved, we talked about this with the roster between Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, David Andrews to a lesser extent, guys that have been around for a long time and have won, I feel like you want to keep that in the fabric of your organization. So mm-hmm. I don't know. If you reassign Troy Brown, that's probably okay, but he was a great wide receiver and a great returner. So to yeah. move him off of that role maybe is a bit strange, but I, I think as long as he's around, that's that's probably a positive. And maybe, right. maybe he's not a good coach. Like we're not receivers getting coached by him. We can't speak to that. But yeah. I, I just think generally. So when I say I'm a Troy Brown guy, it's like, well, I assume he's probably a good influence on the players. Um, and I'm not going to blame him given the heads of the offense last year. He's low on my list of blame and yeah, finger pointing. And Bill Belichick told me who to blame, and it wasn't Troy Brown. Imagine if he did that. If this doesn't work out, blame Troy Brown. <laughs> when I was that guy, it was it was probably like ninety five or ninety six, maybe ninety seven, something like that. I got a Sega Game Gear for Christmas, mm. um, and I got with it kind of an older, like a a copy of Madden that was like one or two years old. And okay. one of the first teams that I played with was the Patriots because. I was a big Lawyer Malloy fan, uh, Drew Bledsoe, all that stuff. So I loaded up the Patriots, and there was a wide receiver with the name T. Brown. And I was like, why is Tim Brown on the Patriots? Like, what is going on here? Why, no. And why does he have like a 68 rating on this game or whatever it was? And that was the first time that I ever found out who Troy Brown was because I don't yeah. think Troy Brown was doing a whole lot in the NFL in 1995 or 1996 up to that point. True. I think there was a story like Parcells took him on a little drive and was like, well, you're bad at football. You should get better at it. And he did. So credit to him. Uh, slow, a slow burn. Troy Brown's career was, but uh, a great one. Um, do you have any other leftover thoughts on the Patriots? There hasn't been a whole lot within the last week or so that's gone on. I think they've all been pretty busy at the Shrine Bowl. Um can't what's your, what are your thoughts the on the updates? Shrine Bowl, like generally yearly? Because you're more into that scene than I am, the, the college all-star bowls. Uh, give a Shrine Bowl synopsis, your feelings on it. Because my impression of it is it's like fourth through seventh rounders. So it's interesting in that uh, I'm a big fan of Eric Galco, who runs the Shrine Bowl now. Um, okay. He's a good guy. He's a friend of mine. Um, the NFL is definitely trying hard to legitimize the shrine Mm. bowl more and that's why there are full coaching staffs coaching shrine bowl players this year that's why the patriots are a staff who's the other staff i forget uh the falcons mr smith falcons yes arthur by the way a picture came out of arthur smith standing next to belichick arthur smith is diesel yeah he's like double the size of belichick yeah, I've thought so, Mr. Smith. He could have powered this in a second. Um, but it is the like the top prospects haven't come along with it though. Zay Flowers, there's a BC wide receiver. He's supposed to be pretty good. There's some other players who are like might be day one or two prospects, but it is mostly like day three and undrafted free agents. Uh, Patriots did draft a lot of those guys last year for one reason or another. I think Tyquan Thornton was there. Pierre, Pierre Strong, Strong, Jack Jones. Um, but the Senior Bowl it seems like it's still getting the better prospects, even though they don't have full NFL coaching staffs. My opinion, because yeah. I, I Jim Nagy, I've dealt with before. He's a good guy. Senior um, bowl guy. He's a senior bowl guy. Like getting to Mobile, Alabama, is a pain in the goddamn ass. Like I did okay. it last year. You like basically from almost anywhere in the world in the country, you have to change flights, go somewhere else, like stop off in Charlotte or whatever it is. Las Vegas, which is where the Shrine Bowl is, it's a lot easier to get to. And I wouldn't be surprised if with this like momentum shift that the NFL is trying to do, that like maybe you do start to see more of the top prospects going to the Shrine Bowl just because it's easier to get to Las Vegas. You don't have to deal with traveling to Mobile. Like obviously people would probably rather be in Las Vegas than Mobile overall, but there are still those like old heads in the NFL who know how the senior bowl works. They know where to go. They know the bars. They know the area, and they don't ever want to change. So I don't know. It's like sort of a weird, interesting power dynamic. Uh, my thought on Arthur Smith before I forget it. Big boy. He's the he's the son of the owner of FedEx or the CEO of the yes. founder of FedEx, whatever it is. I just feel like 
like your grind and your like effort in life has to be so high to be the son of a billionaire and be like, you know what? I'm going to be a coaching assistant and, and like have like the worst job in the in the world and like have to work 80 hours to like rise up the ranks and like clearly you can only do that if you do have like the like the the privilege of being like 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 rich to not have to worry about making like twenty thousand dollars or whatever it is and like maybe that eases the pain of working 80 hours a day on like this like and you're still working in football and everything like that but i don't know i just i just respect that grind of being like i'm a billionaire i could do literally nothing with my life and instead i'm grinding film and working 80 hours a week being like the, the lowest level assistant coach. I don't know. That's my thought on Arthur's Smith. So while you were talking, I fired off some quick Google. So earlier I said yeah. the Patriots were worth six point four billion, right? Yeah. I looked up Frederick Smith's net worth. Yeah. He's he alone is worth four point four billion. Wow. <laughs> that's Arthur Smith's dad. Like that's like he's a rich man. That's Daniel Snyder money. So it's pretty rich. Um you're right. And I will say this. When our, when Mr. Smith, I call him Mr. Smith because he's the most sort of anonymous sort of looking coach of all time, but credit to him for his grind, <laughs> as you said. The Tennessee Titans were a Super Bowl contender when he was running their offense, and since he's left, they have not been. And now, granted, the Falcons have not really been pushing for any Super Bowls either, but, you know, Had the, a pretty the bad downfall. Yeah, I mean, I think the downfall of, of the Titans is more indicative of he's pretty good. Um, have you ever seen, have you ever watched any of his press conferences with reporters yes. in Atlanta? A little, little testy down there. He's, 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 it's him and Vrabel. Him and Vrabel are the most contentious head coaches. Like even, I'd say even more than Belichick. Like they yeah. will go, they will like fire back more yeah. than Bill Belichick will. And maybe Arthur Smith learned that from Mike Vrabel because Mike Vrabel was like the king of contentiousness with, with media for a lot of years, but Arthur Smith is really coming for that crown. And some of it's a little weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I agree. Yeah. I've like week Arthur one, Smith. it was week one. Arthur Smith lost his mind. So right. Credit to him. Saying that, like me, the reporters were Twitter trolls. And like, I think he was like, <laughs> like accusing him of being conspiracy theorists or something. Yeah. It was wild. I don't know. He's a, he's an interesting know. guy. You but, know, what was my yeah. highlight of the shrine bowl, by the way, we should probably mention this. Yeah. Did I mention this the other day? I don't know. I, I lose track. I talk a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Senior Bowl video of the Patriots coaching staff arriving in the airport. Oh yeah, the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You did show. Oh, sorry, did I say Senior Bowl. Yeah. I meant Shrine Bowl. Yeah. Of just Belichick caught the eye in the camera. The 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 self was like, all right. I wasn't really looking at you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. All right. Sorry. Sorry to repeat myself, but we should no, get to the okay. advertising portion. Uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Dave Grohl. Uh, he is the lead singer of Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. and um, I've heard of him. If he wants to be my friend, um, he's welcome to. Uh, I'll see him at Boston Calling. But if he wants to give me like VIP passes, that's cool too. How many? Is, that's a book, I'm assuming, right? That you just showed. Yeah, it's like a memoirs. It's a memoirs. How many? How many books a year are you reading these days? Oh, like one. Yeah, maybe I'm glad, two. I'm glad I'm not the only one. One, one is like the max, really. Um, and it's usually completely useless, like Dave Grohl's memoirs or something. I should, it's not I should really read more. Yeah, um, classics. Anything that anyone has read, I probably haven't. It's not great, but I watch a lot of sports and I read a lot of tweets. So I think my my life is still enriched. I so this is I like this is a, the most ignorant segment of our podcast. Yeah, mm. probably. For me, with books, like I don't I don't know where to start. Like, like, I know, I know the books that like they told us to read in high school and I've read those, but like, like if I, if, if you were, if someone's going to be like, Mike, read a read a non, read a fiction book. Like, like who, why, like, how would you go about finding out which fiction book to read? Yeah. Um, like, would you go to amazon.com and be like, what's the most popular fiction book? Would you ask a friend? Like what fiction book should I read? I don't know where I don't to start. Know. I, I tried reading like in my twenties. I'm like, there's a lot of classics I haven't read. And, and Barnes and Noble had these like very like nice looking hardcover, mm-hmm. fan, like they were themed sort of, so they all matched. And I bought like eight to ten of them. And I'm like, I will read these. They'll look good in my bookshelf. Then you buy a house. There's no room for bookshelves. They go in a mm. box. I haven't read them, but one, they're still classics. And one day I will get around to them. I want to get like a list of the most read books. 
and see like what we've read. Like like this one just came up, uh, the the one hundred list from PBS. Have you read To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, I have. Yes. Okay, I haven't. I've seen the movie though. Okay, right? that's close enough. Have, have you seen? Have you read the Harry Potter series? <laughs> no, I have not. Didn't didn't realize you were a nerd. All right, I have read them all, so I'm pretty much a scholar. Have you read Pride and Prejudice? No, I've not. I have not. Lord of the Rings? Nope. Same. Gone with the Wind? Nope. Here's one we might have read. Charlotte's Web? Probably. Yeah. When I don't I think a, I read that. When I was a youth? I didn't. Little Women? Nope. Nope. Chronicles of Narnia? I read one of them. Uh, when I was like very young, my mom used to read those to us uh, like before bed. So I'd say yeah. like one or two of them maybe. This all is right. like people are, are losing respect for us. I graduated podcast. summa cum laude. Like, <laughs> just didn't have to read any books to do it. I'm currently major I, in I've, journalism. If you want a good I've GPA, started a book uh, about the Chicago World's Fair, and it was very okay. interesting. But I've had very little time to pick that. Like, I say that I say I have very little time. I've had so much time recently. Yeah, I've had nothing true. but time recently. I haven't yeah. had a, like I haven't had a job for like two months now. Uh, shout out to me. I'm going to be starting working again. In about a month or so, so I've got. Are you excited month, for the tweet? Fun like personal news. Are you excited to be? Yeah, like, I'm personal excited news? for it. But cool. like, at the same time, I like I've had I've, I had one of those like two years ago. So like, I feel like you need to space those out a little bit better. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I didn't really have much of a following when I left Nesson for CBS, so I don't know that right. I really did one. Yeah, it just kind of happened. So that's cool for you, though. You get to like let I everyone know. And everyone, personal news. everyone will be gassing you up. Right. I mean, and not like, I mean, the layoff, pretty lousy. But the Twitter (laughs) response, that had to make you feel pretty good about yourself. Like, I mean, I'd never seen anyone, you know, I mean, I guess I have, but there was a lot of support. So that must have felt good. It it would have if if there wasn't like the, the, the layoff the attached like, to it, like bizarre <laughs> feeling of like what the hell do I do with my life? Maybe right if you now? could have popped in and been like, oh, they said never mind, but thanks everyone. <laughs> right, I'm still employed. <laughs> I like it was. I, I'll probably talk about that at length more at some point in my life. But yeah, being laid off is a weird feeling, yeah. and like. Yeah, the the positivity that comes with it. I'm sure that like other people might have responded to it more positively, but I it had never happened to me before. So it was like I don't know what the hell to do with my life. Like I don't know what happens from here. Yeah. So that was a weird part. But yeah, the personal news uh, tweet will be fun. We're also we just decided on a whim that we're probably going to go on vacation uh, after the Super Bowl. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll be gone for a week. Then I'll I'll get back to work, but. Um, I don't know. I'll probably look back at this period of my life and been like, I should have done more for what will amount to like two or three months or whatever it is. But mm. I don't know. I've been, I've, I, I've stayed busy. That's kind of the unfortunate thing is that I've been doing this. I've been writing for the analyst.com and like that hasn't really afforded me the opportunity to be like not busy. I don't know. Yeah. Nice job starting podcast. Dummy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. On the book thing, I will say I've read a lot of like, a third to a half of a book a lot of times mm. and then forgot to finish. So yeah, that's like, that adds up. That's almost a book per half. I, the last like period round of my up, life where round I up. Read I've a, read a lot of books where I read a lot was when I was on tour, when I was like 23 years old in 2009, I like brought books with me. I bought books when I was out on tour, but like since that point, yeah, I, like unless I've been rereading like Beach Boys biographies, there hasn't been a whole lot of reading on my on my end. Yeah, I did read a book last year. I just don't remember what it was, but I'm sure it was pretty intense. I actually read, what was it? No, I forget. It was good. It's upstairs. You want to borrow it? Borrow it. You can. It's uh, yeah. It's, I'll borrow. I'll have it forever. I'll, I'll borrow your book. Um, all right. Well, hopefully more things happen with the Patriots by the time that we talk to you guys. Oh, next. I had a thought. I had a Patriots thought. You want it? Oh yeah, love it. Yeah, I was thinking about Jacoby Myers, right? Yep. And this is a As Jacoby Myers. Yeah, it's a Jacoby Myers respector podcast. I think. Yep. I think we both are on our simpatico when it comes to his importance and everything. Now, if he costs fourteen to fifteen million dollars a year, I'm going to make the argument that someone else can do what he did for much less. And I know that is it sounds disrespectful of what he did, but it's yeah. really just football. I I think given the lack of talent in the free agent market for wide receivers. Someone's going to end up 
paying him a lot of money yes. to do more than he can. And it, it, it made me think of like Aguilar with the Patriots. Like he was paid a lot of money to yeah. be more than Nelson Aguilar, which wasn't Nelson Aguilar's fault. Right. So I, I, I'm almost, I've come around. Now there's going to be receivers in the draft. Uh, you mentioned Zay Flowers is uh, mm-hmm. at the Shrine Bowl, though he missed practice for like just resting, I want to say. He was just kind of like, eh, we're going <laughs> to chill. Hard. Um, which is anyone's prerogative before the draft, whatever they want to do for their body. I'm not questioning it in any way but i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of receivers out there that could be available that that i know what he does and his knack for converting third downs and being sort of like a reliable player is valuable but if you can get a guy doing it on a rookie contract or or whatever it may be maybe it's maybe it's time to get mentally uh around the idea of Meyer signing elsewhere because yeah. I don't. I haven't thought about it until this week that that's probably what's going to happen. I think that's kind of been my thought <clears throat> all along. Is that like, first of all, I, I agree. Like, I think that someone else will probably spend more money than the Patriots are willing to spend for him, and he probably, like, if I'm being logical or being realistic, won't come back. For me, I don't think that he's necessarily worth like a 15 million dollar per year contract like he's never been a thousand yard receiver here like he's certainly improved as his career has gone along but i'm not sure if like his ceiling is that much higher than what we've seen the last two to three years so like i'm not sure if it's the best use of money to spend that much on him but the patriots have a lot of cap space this year and i don't know what else or who else they're going to spend that money on because i think that tackle and wide receiver is probably their biggest need heading yeah. into this next year. Probably cornerback is up there as well. Like, I do think that the money that is available should be filtered into the offense to improve the offense. And clearly, like, just re-signing Jacoby Myers and running it over again isn't necessarily improving the offense. But I just would want to know where else that $15 million a year would be going if it's not to Jacoby Myers. Because, like, yeah, it's possible that they could draft a wide receiver. But it's also possible that that wide receiver will be as effective as Tyquan Thornton was last year because like they viewed Tyquan Thornton as being worth a second round pick, and he didn't really do a whole lot in the offense last year. So not judging him though, uh, to to revert back to an earlier point, like you had a speed threat running five yard outs. I don't know. No, it's it's absolutely true, and like maybe Bill O'Brien utilizes him better. But it's also like if Bill O'Brien is bringing back the old Patriots offense that was impossible for young wide receivers to learn. I'm not sure if like the rookie does come in right away and can. Well, I don't, don't know. you I mean, wonder? I mean, don't you wonder how his Nelly, his but, experience in Alabama must have changed that to some extent? You would hope so. Yeah. I know that they were sort of a letdown this year, but right. last year they had two thousand yard receivers. They they were still Alabama, so maybe there is sort of a simplicity to it. And, it and helps, to me, yeah. the simplicity with Tyquan Thornton is, um, hey, you. It's a guy in front of you. You're going to want to run past him. And when yeah. you do, you're going to put your arm up and uh, call for the ball, and we'll try to get you the ball. So I don't know. Maybe there's a simplicity there. But, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking about that. The other the other guy is Damian Harris. I feel like his free agent market took a dive bomb. I think he's a heck yeah. of a player. Yeah. But it would be hard to have a worse season entering free agency than what he had. Uh, both both in terms of basically getting passed on the depth chart by Ramondre Stevenson and missing five games to injury. Yeah, I, I think um, he'll be down that. the stretch. But yeah, like, on like one of those one year. Yeah. yeah, which is Cause I, unfortunate because I always feel bad for running backs that don't get that big pay. Like James White is the number one guy right. who kept not getting it year yeah. to year and then officially you know had to hang it up. So I I would think given the the workload on Stevenson that maybe if he were to come back Harris uh there'd be more of a share and maybe more of an opportunity for him yeah i think they should definitely try to and i can't imagine him making i can't remember we didn't talk about this cuz i talked about this with someone i think it was a podcast i did last week like i right. think that they they could probably bring him back for like 2 to 3 million dollars a year even if it's a one year deal right. and yeah, that's yeah. probably a better decision because the running backs that they have, the rookies, you can't count on them being able to back up Ramondre Stevenson based on what we saw last year. So they need someone, whether that's 
Damian Harris or like they re-sign Sonny Michelle or they bring in some other veteran. Like you need that guy anyway. And if Damian Harris is only going to cost you a million dollars more, then like you might as well just bring him back, right? I thought about something though. What? I was like, what team needs a running back? Like what team needs like a power, multi-talented running back who can like really not carry the load, but deliver a pounding, give you a real threat. There's a team in Buffalo that mm-hmm. has ignored the run for a few years, and it really killed them at the end of this year. Imagine that. They I mean, they need, a, they, need, they need a running back, like a big body, not like a they Devin do. Singletary or a Naheem Hines. They need like a guy who can run through the, between the tackles, and yeah. maybe that's a threat. Maybe, maybe that's be. what you got to watch out for. Certainly, certainly possible. Um, one other point on Bill O'Brien maybe having an easier offense. Like, that is the same offense where Rob Gronkowski, like the two tight ends, Rob Gronkowski and the other yeah. guy, uh, learned the offense the other guy. really quickly. Um, what was his name? Brian. Can't recall. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was pretty good. But, like, they were effective right away. But I think that was also the year that Patriots drafted Taylor Price. Didn't uh-huh. go as well. Yeah. Um, not sure if they drafted anyone in 2009. Was that Chad Jackson, 2009? No, was he, was, he was 07, I want to say. 07 or 06? Yeah, he, uh, 06. He was around in 07. But, uh, I can't remember if they drafted other wide receivers highly between 2009 and 2011 when Bill O'Brien was running the offense. But like well, Taylor Price was you. definitely 2010. Brandon Tate. Well. Brandon, Brandon Tate. Tate. Third he round. almost had a 430-yard season with the Patriots, I think. Okay. Was that in 2010? I don't know. Uh, I'm not looking at the, the year-to-year stats. Uh, right. Taylor Price was third round. In the 2011, they did not draft a wide receiver. They got Deion right. Branch back in 2010, so he was the... Brandon Lloyd, was, they had to get in there as well. Yeah. In 2012. Yeah. But the, was McDaniels back? Back, he, yeah, yeah. For 12, for sure. He came back in the playoffs yes, at 11. Yes, he came back in 2011, so that was a Josh McDaniels year. So, I don't know. I mean, it's... You would hope at this point that the Patriots have figured out how to incorporate young wide receivers in their offense, but at the same time, they didn't really that well with Tyquan Thornton. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see it happen before I would like to depend on it. So if they can't get Jacoby Myers back, I don't know. Like they, they need to do something. And and you need to spend that money somewhere on a wide receiver. Like I said, I don't necessarily think that Jacoby Myers' performance is justified a fifteen to sixteen million dollar a year contract or whatever it's going to be. But if someone else is willing to pay them that, I don't know. Maybe the Patriots should too. I, I don't know. I, I I wish I felt more strongly on this, but like Yeah. No, I'm with you because I, I just like waver is, in the middle on it. Yeah. No, I'm with you because we both respect what Myers does. And there is something to be said in the value of knowing that a player can convert a third and seven and keep a drive right. alive. And it doesn't necessarily show up on the on the larger stats. Um, we should maybe touch before we go, uh, do you, on Brady watch, Brady watch 49ers. What do you mm. think? Do you, uh, I'm kind of dead inside in the thoughts. So I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't feel like what happened today, like changes things that much. I and mean, maybe like, does Brock Purdy getting injured in the NFC championship game mean that like the 49ers should now pursue Tom Brady? I, I, I guess it could change the equation a little bit. Um, I think it was Schefter who reported today that the Dolphins weren't going to pursue him, yes. which I thought was kind of interesting. I feel like it's interesting when there's a report that like that to say like they're not going to do it because that almost makes it like an overcorrection. Yeah, it's yeah, an overcorrection it's, to the tampering. Right, the Dolphins are not doing this. All right, yeah. that yeah, I, don't I feel know. like when something like that comes out, it's like well now I'm like well now my ears are perked up. It's like well now I kind of think that they are. Well, um, there's also like this element everyone was making the Brock Purdy, Tom Brady comparisons. Granted, Brady right. was second year, but sort of came out of nowhere, won a Super Bowl. Purdy was in that position. Young Tom Brady would have played. I, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm not here to, like, call out players. I don't well, know what, the details. What did Brady? What was Brady's injury in the in the AFC Championship game in his first season as a starter? Oh, he had when a high he ankle didn't sprain. Play. It was a high ankle sprain when he got – when he uh, – Lee Flowers uh, with a dirty, dirty hit on his ankle had to come out. That's when uh, – Bledsoe came in. So why didn't he play? A week play? Later. Yeah, but yeah, but he mm-hmm. didn't play through the game. Well, he couldn't stand or move, whereas Purdy was on the sidelines throwing. Like he could physically throw. You gotta try. This like, doesn't you help try. your point. You make he a did. good point. He, he literally came back in and played. Well, he had to. I I, I was surprised <laughs> he was on the sideline with a jacket on before that. 
he threw one pass after that, and it was a little screen pass. But I don't know. You make a good point. Brady didn't play in <laughs> yeah. the in the rest of the game. Granted, Granted that, the, the 49ers didn't have Drew Bledsoe on the bench. No, they didn't. He might have been better than Brock Purdy handing off. But anyways, no, yeah. I don't know. I just got completely sunned by Doug on the podcast for that. <laughs> so I got to reevaluate. But uh, I think there's like not trying. I don't know. With, with the, I guess more less than Brady, but more juxtaposition with, with Mahomes last week. Getting hurt with the high ankle sprain and being right. like, Sitting on the bench and be like, you know what? Actually, I'm fine. And just jogging back onto the field and be like, I'm going to play. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we respect that. It's crazy. It's dumb. It's it's unwise. Right. But I don't know. I, I would have liked uh, a Mr. Irrelevant rookie with a chance to go to the Super Bowl to try to play. So I don't know. Maybe that maybe that doesn't. John Lynch is him. an old school player. Maybe he's like, this guy sucks. I don't know. I don't know. what. John there was a clip of him being like, I can't throw. Where like. I don't know. That's a tough thing to say. Like when the yeah. when the game's on the line. I, but one one last thought on the 49ers quarterback situation. Like I know that everyone loves the Josh Johnson story and how he's played on like every team in the world and that he's still in the NFL and stuff. When he didn't dive on the fumble, there was a moment where I was like, "All right, maybe we're seeing why he's been on 15 teams. Why like why he hasn't stuck around anywhere." Like yeah. it, it, there wasn't. I know he's had better games than he did in this game against the Eagles, but like. His performance was pretty poor and mm-hmm. a fumble and then do like a half step towards the ball. That, that was a tough luck, I felt like. Yeah, there's probably like an embarrassment when you don't catch a snap that makes your body kind of go into shock for a second. So maybe it's I'm less hung up on that as I am on not receiving a shotgun snap. Yeah, so that's no matter true. what, like if you've been around that long, maybe your your mind's going a million miles a minute, but you can you can you can receive the snap and then mess up after that. I would yeah. say, but um, th- I mean Patrick Mahomes pretty good at the sport. Threw the ball backwards. No one really. <laughs> so these things happen. Sports are hard. I think that's the lesson. Sports are difficult. I, I know you can't comment on this, but that that was my favorite moment of uh, of Tony Romo today when Patrick Mahomes took a snap and just like dropped the ball and threw it backwards. And Tony Romo was like, "I think it's a fumble." And like my my tweet at that time was like, "What else would it be? The ball went backwards." I don't think it was. A, say this, I don't think it was a throw. I don't I think it was an incompletion. I agree with Mr. Romo's assessment. <laughs> I think it was a fumble. All right. Well, I think that will do it for today's Pat's Chat podcast. Uh, we should have told you to rate and review earlier, but I always do it at the Damn end it. because Ooh, this is a warning. A warning, Doug. Yeah. This stuff right here, Rustoleum Leak Sale uh, for gutters. This podcast is not brought to you by Rustoleum Leak Sale. Oh no. Um, so it dripped down. It got on my porch. I got to resand it and restand it this spring. Whatever. Turns out it blew into the driveway and got on my car. So Ooh. now I got a whole repair going. So, oh no. this podcast is not a Rustoleum podcast. Um, and if anyone wants to help me uh, be a man and fix things around the house, I could use a real like, like I could use like, isn't there like a rent a husband business? Mm, yeah, I could probably. use that. Whenever okay. something goes wrong, yeah. So it's not a not a, not a, if you're Rustoleum, don't listen to this. I thought you were about to show a drink, and when you showed Rustoleum, I was like, "Oh God, Mike's so sad about today's games. That he's <laughs> drinking Rustoleum. Only one game left." Um. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter. Do everything that you want to do, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Uh, at the end of the week, like we usually do. That's right. right. Bye.